some warm weather. Aren't we thankful? Uh, been a hard end to the winter here in Middle Tennessee, but it, the, the extended forecast looks very promising, and warmer days are upon us, and we're grateful for that. And you know what that brings? It brings lots of things, of course, but you know what the warmer weather will bring? Garage sales. Garage sales. The garage sales will start up in earnest now with a few warmer Saturdays. You can expect that they'll just be uh, popping up all over in neighborhoods everywhere. Garage sales. Garage sales. What, what a wonderful thing. Garage sales are people paying you to haul your junk away. Isn't that a great thing? Man, that's wonderful. Now, the problem, the downside is then we go to their garage sales and pay them money and bring their junk to our house. Now, that's the part. I've been talking to Cindy about that's the part we've got to short-circuit that second part of the garage sale cycle. But what about that? You've had garage sales. When you have a garage sale, what do you do? How do you decide what to put in the garage sale? Well, typically what happens is we go through the house, go through the attic, go through the storage, and... And they say, you know, I got this thing. It, it, I never use it anymore. It doesn't serve any purpose. I don't, ha- I don't have any reason for this. Let's get rid of it. Put it in the garage sale, right? The idea behind that is, I think, a, a, a worthy one. And that is that, that the things that we keep uh, should ha- serve some purpose of some sort or another. And if, they, if it doesn't serve a purpose, they might as well get rid of it, right? Things ought to have a purpose. Well, today in our study... What I want us to do is talk about our purpose. What is our purpose as created beings by God? What is our purpose? In the text that Mark read for us earlier, Solomon gave that answer. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So Solomon said, here's what our purpose is. Our purpose is to fear God and keep His commandments. Notice Solomon said that this was the conclusion of the whole matter. Now, we understand what he's talking about is the conclusion of of his essay there in the book of Ecclesiastes in which he documented his search for meaning and purpose in life. Solomon was, without a doubt, the richest man in the world of his day and very likely perhaps the richest man who's ever lived in the history of the world. And he had, therefore, the potential to be able to pursue every form of, hap- uh, of pursuit of happiness, of, of uh, fulfilling desires, and so forth. And he did. And he documents those things in the book of Ecclesiastes. And after he'd been through it all, he comes to this conclusion. The conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What we're here for is to fear God and keep His commandments. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, the necessity of fearing God in our lives. And just to summarize what we said... Our whole purpose in life is to fear and obey God. That's what we're here for. That's what our purpose for existence is. We could put it that way anyway. You might choose different words. You might say it a little differently. But using the wording of King Solomon uh, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, fear God, keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man. That's what we're here to do. All right? So that's our purpose. We want to talk about that some uh, this morning. Everything else is secondary to that. Fear God, keep His commandments. Everything else is secondary. We want to discuss what fearing God really means, and then we also want to talk about how that should be manifested in our lives if we do fear God. 
We thank you for being here today. Again, uh, not to be too repetitive, but we're so thankful for a pretty day weather-wise and glad that we have the opportunity to be out, uh, join together, worship God, praise Him. Thanks for being here to be a part of that and, by, and for the encouragement that you provide to the rest of us by virtue of your uh, being here today. Uh, for those who are visiting with us, thanks for coming. Please come back. We're, we'd be glad to have you every time you can be here and we'd be glad to join in Bible study with you. If you're interested in that, if you have any questions that we can help with, please say so. But thanks to everybody for being here. Okay, fear God. That's our purpose. That's what we're here for. And just to emphasize that a little bit more, the Scriptures teach that only those who do that can please Him and have the hope of heaven in eternity. We should want to know what it takes to please God, right? That's that's pretty simple thinking. In in almost every relationship we're in, we want to find out what it takes to please someone, so, so that we can be in their good favor and 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 therefore receive a, a reward in response to what we've done. For instance, when we're in school, we want to find out what the teacher wants and do what the teacher wants. When you're on the job, you want to find out what your boss wants and try to do that so that you please him. Uh, Guys and gals, what does a what does a fella do when he's trying to impress his girlfriend? Well, he finds out what she likes, what she wants, and he she tries he tries to do that, right? Well, uh, that's just common sense sort of thinking, but it's certainly applicable to God. We should we should desire to know what He wants from us, and then do it. And what He wants from us is to fear Him and obey Him. Ten verse thirty four beginning. You may remember here that the apostle. Peter had been called to the household of Cornelius. And Cornelius was a Gentile. And up to this point in time, uh, even though the, the, the church had begun, the gospel was being preached, it had only gone to Jews up to this point in time. But here in Acts chapter 10, we see Peter receiving a revelation that he should take the gospel to Gentiles. And so he goes to the house of Cornelius and he starts out with these words in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But notice this. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. You get that? It tells who is accepted by God. Those who fear him and work righteousness. Right? Now, if that's the ones who are accepted by him, What's implied concerning those who don't fear God and who don't work righteousness? Well, then they're not accepted by Him, right? That would go without saying almost. So, this is our purpose, and only those who do this can be pleasing to God. Now, in order for us to do that, this is something that has to be taught and learned. It doesn't happen naturally. Then An untaught person would never go about to do the things of God because he doesn't know. He hasn't been informed. He hasn't been instructed. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to be taught. I have to be taught. You have to be taught. Our children have to be taught. We were talking about that in our Bible class this morning. This Fearing God properly is a taught thing. It must be learned. We need to be teaching the lost people all around us the real principles of fearing God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, verse 10, God said to Moses, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Notice, he says, 
I want the children of Israel to learn to fear me. And I want them to teach their children to fear me. And so we're just saying, uh, this is something that, that we have to teach and learn. And that's why we place so much emphasis on studying the Scriptures, uh, um, trying to learn the content of His Word, understand His will for us. Uh, we won't know or fulfill our purpose in life if we haven't been properly taught in these ways. Alright, so, this is our purpose for existence. It's, it's the only way that we can please God and, and be blessed by Him both now and in eternity. And this proper level of fear is something you've got to be taught. You're not just going to come by it naturally. You're going to have to learn it from, from the Word of God. Now, let's define fear then. Let's define what fear is. First of all, fear is being afraid of displeasing God. Literally being afraid of pleasing Him. Now, lots of people disagree with this observation. And I've had people approach me before, uh, after a sermon, for instance, and say that they just don't agree with the idea of making people afraid of God. But I see it plainly in the Bible, don't you, that it teaches us to be afraid of the consequences if we don't do His will. Let me give you an example. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 6. Now, the background of this is that the king of the Ammonites had come to the Jewish settlement of Jabesh-Gilead. So, some of God's people were under assault by this other nation, the Ammonites. And uh, the Ammonite, and so they realized they were outnumbered, outgunned, didn't, didn't have the ability to resist them at that time. And so they, they sent to the king of Ammon and said, what will it take to make peace with you? We'll make a covenant with you. We'll become your servants. And you know what the king of Ammon said? I'll tell you. I said, I'll let you make but only on this condition. Let me pluck out the right eye of every one of you because I want it to be a reproach, an insult to the Israelites. I will spare you and I'll I'll let you be my servants. Uh, Instead of killing you all, I will spare you, but only on the condition you let me pluck out the right eye of every individual and you become my servants. And it will be a a shame and a reproach upon all of Israel. Well, man, that was pretty high demand, right? And so the people of Ammon said, Give us seven days to think about that. I mean, I mean, the people of Israel, uh, of Jabesh Gilead, the, the Israelites at Jabesh Gilead said, give, give, us, uh, give us seven days to consider that. That's pretty high demand. And so during that time period, they sent to King Saul. Saul was the king of Israel at that time. They sent to King Saul and said, this is what the king of Ammon is demanding of us. He wants to poke out our eyes. What should we do? So this is, this, that's the background context of this statement. In 1 Samuel 11, beginning verse 6, the, the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those things, and his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. That's pretty, that's pretty graphic display, isn't it? They said, you either come and help us fight for Jabesh Gilead against the Ammonites, or else we're going to come and we're going to, we're going to slay your oxen. Just like, just like these huge pieces of meat that we've sent to you, that's what yours is going to look like if you don't come and help us. Look at, look at the result of that. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. Would you agree with me that that's the idea of fear or being afraid? You do this or else, we're going to come and 
we're going to hack your oxen into pieces if you don't help us in delivering our brethren from the Ammonite king. It seems clear that this is the idea of being afraid. That, that here when it says, the fear of the Lord, that's not about being afraid. I'm afraid what, I'm afraid what will happen if I don't do this. That is very much the idea. In Psalm 119, verse 120, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. You see that? He uses the word afraid, doesn't it? Now, someone might object, say, well, the couple of references that you've offered are Old Testament references. But now, we live under the rule of love and not the rule of fear. Maybe it was so that people were supposed to be afraid of God in the Old Testament times, but now, we live under the reign of love, and it's love that rules, not fear. Well, we would agree that God is a loving God, but I would argue that God was a loving God back in the Old Testament times too. Right? His basic nature hasn't changed. He's, he's a loving God now, certainly. He was a loving God back then too. He also taught people to be afraid of displeasing Him, and the New Testament says that too. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In chapter 12, at verse 29 of Hebrews, it says our God is a consuming fire. And so, I think it's clear from the Scriptures that fearing God does mean being afraid of displeasing Him. But it also means, there's a second part of that definition. The other part of the meaning of fear is to hold Him in respect and awe. You ever been around a, a really famous person? Uh, most of us have never been around a really famous person, but maybe you've had an occasion to rub elbows with someone who's at sort of a high level in, in one realm or another. And they're just sort of an awe being around somebody in a high position of power. What if the President of the United States were to walk into our assembly this morning? I, 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 I know that a lot of us probably disagree with a number of his political positions, but I'll tell you, I'd still be in awe. He's the President of the United States. Can you imagine that? And I've had a chance to shake his hand and talk to him in person. Wouldn't that be amazing? That, there'd be a sense of awe associated with that. And that, that, that concept of being in awe is a part of this biblical meaning of fear. And when we fear God, we should, way more than the President of the United States or any other mortal being that you could ever imagine, we should be in awe of Him, hold Him in respect. An example in the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus came to the village of Nain, and there was a widow woman there, and her only son had died, and they were carrying him out to the burying. And in Luke chapter 7, beginning verse 14, Jesus said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. Notice, there's that word again. Fear came upon the people when they saw Jesus do this amazing miracle of raising the, the, this dead son of the widow. They were, they feared. Fear came upon them. But you know, here I don't think it was the idea that they were afraid of him. This was not a, oh man, look what's this, we gotta run away and hide. That wasn't the reaction. They were not afraid, they were in awe. And in fact, more and more huge crowds of people, instead of running away and hiding like they were afraid, 
larger and larger crowds of people began to follow him, to want to be around him. This was not fear in the sense of being afraid. This was fear in the sense of being in, in awe and amazement, holding this man Jesus in the highest respect. And so, uh, I think that we've got to see both aspects of this. What is it to fear God? Well, yes, be afraid if you displease Him. But certainly it means holding Him in respect and awe. Okay? I think that's the fair biblical definition. I think we have all known that before. I'm not, I don't think this is any... Uh, we're not plowing new ground here, but just to make sure we are all in agreement, that's what it is to fear God. But now... What does that cause us to do? If we understand what it is to fear God, and we know that it's absolutely necessary, we can't please Him without fearing Him, what would it cause us to do? Well, first of all, as we've really already talked about, it means obeying His commands, doing what... If you fear God, you do what He says. I want to go back to Moses again in the book of Deuteronomy. And real quickly, I want to look at several statements. Remember, Deuteronomy was sort of like Moses's farewell address to the children of Israel. He was reminding them of all the commands that had been handed down. Chapter 6, verse 2, That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Chapter 8, verse 6, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to fear him. Chapter 13, verse 4, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. Chapter 17, verse 19, Learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes. Well, in every one of those verses that I selected, you see the word fear. You see fear being there. So this is definitely talking about our subject this morning, fearing God. But also in every one of those passages, did you notice? Fear the Lord. Keep His statute and commandments. Fear Him. Keep the commandments. Fear Him. Keep His commandments. Fear Him. Keep all the words of this law. And so, over and over again, we see the emphasis that fear of God means obeying His instructions, doing the commandments that we find in the Word of God. So, I hope that almost goes without saying to all of us, but fearing God would definitely mean doing what He says. I believe, though, that this is actually should be taken to a higher level. It's not just doing what He says, but it's doing what He says with complete dedication to Him. Doing what He says, but I'm not just trying to get by with the bare minimum. You know, There is this mentality I think that some people possess. Draw me this line, which is the absolute minimum requirement, and I want to make sure that I just barely sneak over that line. You know? I don't want to do any more than I have. Just let me barely make it. That's all... I've, I've actually heard people say, I don't need a big mansion in heaven. I'll, I'll take a little shack on the other side of the tracks just as long as I just get in the gate. Just, just, just let me do the bare minimum. No, that's not serving with complete dedication. That's not full commitment to the Lord. He wants us to serve Him with complete dedication. First, the idea of being, doing what He says, but with complete dedication means we do it with joy and not with dread or drudgery. Oh, man, i got to do that. I'm, I'm going to do it because I have to, but I don't want to and I don't like it and I'm not happy. No, that's not right either. So we do what he says, but if we really fear him, we do it with complete dedication to him. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all of his ways, and to love 
God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. There's our expression again. Fear the Lord. And there's that doing His commandments that we were just talking about. So fear the Lord, walk in all of His ways. But notice, love Him. Serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Do you see it? Fearing God means not just doing what He says, but doing it with full and complete devotion and commitment to Him. And the question I have is, are we there? Do we do that? Actually, I think we never fully get there. You know, this is something we, we want to keep striving for. It's something we want to keep growing in. Uh, if we really fear God more and more and more, we do what He says and we do it with complete and full dedication to Him. Proper fear is going to cause us to hate sin. I got to tell you, I think this is a big problem for us. Uh, we are not sufficiently repulsed by sin. It ought to be just sickening to us. It, we ought to hate sin. That's the wording of the Scriptures that we'll see here in a minute. I'm afraid that too often Christians don't hate sin. And therefore, the result of that is that they want to see really how close to it they can get without committing it. Uh, you know, I know it's a sin, but I'm going to go just, just to the very brink of it. If I, I want to see how close I can get without actually sinning. Because well, what does that indicate? Well, it certainly doesn't indicate that I hate it. If, if I'm trying to get close to it without committing, you know, that, that'd be like someone's got a, a communicable disease. You know, there have been a lot of colds and flu going around uh, this winter season. What do you do typically if you know somebody's really sick with the, with the flu or the stomach virus? You stay as far away as you can, right? I'm not going to go over there and, you know, if I can avoid it, I don't want to breathe the same air. And I certainly aren't going to share eating utensils or drink out of the same cup. Because I, I, I want to tell you, I hate the stomach virus. I don't want anything to do with that. Let me stay as far away from that as possible. I hate that. I want to stay away from it. That's how we ought to feel about sin, but unfortunately, I'm afraid that a lot of Christians don't do that. In chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I can make that any plainer. That's a simple statement, isn't it? The fear of the Lord, that's what we're talking about this morning, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so let's work, let's all work harder, develop this attitude more thoroughly that we hate evil. And that we're not trying to see how close to it we can get. But we want to stay far away. But why? Because we fear God. We fear God and we hate evil. Fearing God, a lot of this overlaps. I think you see this probably overlaps. But fearing God is certainly to, to hold His Word in high respect. To respect His Word is to fear God. If we were to go around the religious community of Columbia, Tennessee, on this very day, we would find a lot of people who have assembled at various locations. And in most of those places, with a Bible in their hand, you're carrying a Bible. And if you asked them, they would say that they really cherish that Word of God. But unfortunately, in, in real practice, they dismiss it. Uh, as not important, if you were to show them that this that you're engaged in this morning at this place that you have gone is in direct violation of this plain statement in the book you're holding in your hand, they would just dismiss that as not really important, 
or it doesn't matter. Well, if we fear God, it does matter. If we fear God, then we should respect His Word. And, and if, if it points out that we are practicing error, then because we love His Word, we'll want to change that. Notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, the Apostle Paul said, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Do you see that? Paul said, you didn't just take it as our Word or the Word of mortal men. You understood this was the Word of God and you received it as such. That It, it certainly indicates that they had high respect and and they regarded it as the invaluable revelation of God to mankind. Fearing God will cause us to have this deep respect for His Word. And then let me finally suggest to you, and I think this list can be expanded, by the way. I'm, I'm, not, no, I'm not saying that's all that you could add on that. This list could be expanded. But proper fear of God will cause us to respect and treat other people right as well. In Leviticus chapter 19, when... God was giving the law to Moses. Moses was explaining the law to the children of Israel. Nobody said, Leviticus 19, beginning verse 13, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy God, I am the Lord. Okay, here's a guy. He's deaf. He can't hear himself. All bad kind of things about him. Because he can't hear me anyway. He's deaf. Here's a, here's a blind man. And just for kicks, I'll put something in his way so he'll fall over it. And, and you know, uh, it, it'll be a big embarrassing thing for him. And I, you know, but he's blind. He can't see it. So I'm just going to take advantage of him. And, uh, well, what about that? Moses in, uh, was told by God to instruct the children, don't do that sort of thing. I think common sense should tell us not to do that sort of thing, but God made it a part of His law. Don't do that. And why? Because of the fear of God. You don't mistreat these people because you fear me. You see that? Very plain there. You treat others right. Why? Well, basic humanity won't cause that. You do it because you fear me. You treat other people right. In the book chapter 5, you remember Nehemiah had come back with people to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. It had been in ruins, and they and they had and they had attained good success in accomplishing their goals. But Nehemiah found out that uh, sort of behind his back, some of the Jews had been oppressing other Jews. Uh, some of the poor were being actually enslaved by their Jewish brethren, and Nehemiah was outraged at that. And here's what in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 9, I said, it is not good that ye do. Are ye not to walk in the fear of, the, of our God, the reproach of the heathen enemies? Notice, he, oh, excuse me. He says, you ought to walk in the fear of God. What you're doing is not, you're mistreating your brethren. And that's not right. Walking in the fear of God should be causing you to do differently. To not do that. To, to treat them right. And so, Fearing God is going to cause come to to respect and treat others. As I said, I'm not suggesting that that's necessarily everything you could add to that list. Probably you can think of a number of other things to add to that list. What I am saying is that when we 
understand what fearing God is, and when we understand that it's absolutely necessary if we want to be pleasing to Him, then we're going to fear Him and we're going to let that proper fear of God lead us in doing the right things. Okay. Thanks for your attention to those thoughts that it will motivate us all to do a better job in this very critical fearing God. Do you fear God this morning? Fearing God means keeping His commandments. If you're not a Christian this morning, then fearing God because you're afraid of not doing His will, but also because you hold Him in great awe for His very being, that should cause you to want to obey Him. If you're not a Christian, the simple gospel plan that you need to obey is hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sin. If you've never done that, we hope you make it without delay. We'd be glad to sit down and say more if you need more decision. But this is ultimately important for you. If you're a Christian already, on the other hand, but you have not been keeping His Word and will in your life, if you've not been living for Him, if you've not been doing things with deep love, devotion, then you need to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Here's a thing.